Welcome to Running is Bullshit. I'm Stuart. And I'm Amy, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. There is a lot to get through this week, as I got a 69. Ooh. Stuart has been to Wank, and we've got a guest for you. What more could you ask for? Uh, remember when we used to have guests before we got lazy? We used to have loads. You're going to love Martinez, although he's too much of a big deal for us now, I think. He was on the World Service, BBC World Service today, so, you know. Hey, hey, we, we've been on the BBC Oh, we have, haven't you? I forget about that sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's coming up very soon. Yeah, what an intro to follow for him, though. I know, I know. <laughs> Amy, the phrase is only mad dogs and Englishmen go out in the midday sun, but yeah. I can add to that now, which is people trading for summer ultras. Ugh. Obviously, by which I mean me, but the thing is I'm English, so it doesn't actually work that well as a, like a change in the phrase. But anyway, um, it has been hot and awful recently, as everyone knows. It hasn't rained in about three years. Um, but I've been specifically and intentionally running in the afternoons to make things even worse for myself because I have 45 miles at the end of August to do. So it could be 30 degrees. So I'm getting ahead of the game and I'm heat training. That's what I'm calling it. Heat training. Yeah, it's not because I'm too lazy to get up early in the morning. No. It's it's I, I'm saying it's intentional heat training. You, your body needs to adapt. You need a few weeks to adapt to hot weather. Exactly. So I'm going out and I'm intentionally running in the hot weather just to make running even worse for myself. Yeah, that's what that's what we like to hear. I've been trying to get up earlier, which actually is not too hard when it's this hot. But I'm just I'm not a hot weather person at all. I think it's absolutely horrific. I'm I, I hate it. I hate it so much. Why does it need to be hotter than 22 degrees? I mean, what use is there? For any temperature above that. No, exactly. You know There's what? just no need. It doesn't seem like when you look at it on paper that 22 degrees is hot and then you actually go out in it and it's like absolutely horrendous. I hate it. Yeah, but I, that's like the maximum. Like people that say, oh yeah, I like it when it's like 28 degrees. And what do you like about that? What are you doing? No. You can't do anything. You can't lay in the sun in 28 degrees because that's too hot. You can't do anything in 28 degrees because it's too hot. Yeah. Stop it. Being silly. But that's the world we have now, so let's let's all get used to it. Yeah. Hooray. Yep. <laughs> uh, quick catch-up of last episode. Uh, I am Mattman on Twitter said, sorry, did Amy just say discombobulate in one take? Yeah. Uh, apparently we managed to brush straight past that. You couldn't say anything else in the last episode, but discombobulate was, was easy. Um, I know this might be hard to, to believe, but I, I do say discombobulate a lot in my everyday life because I am discombobulated okay. a lot, and hence why I can't fucking speak, because I'm in a permanent state of discombobulation amazing practice a lot of practice other than that we only had a message to say the episode was titled back injuries are bullshit but the image was of someone with ice packs on their knees mm. and look the image title and guest don't necessarily have to be related all right that's not we never said it would be that was never part of the deal i mean this week very much is uh, very much on brand but usually it's just we just throw in whatever photo and whatever we get to the end of the episode and we're like oh shit what are we call on this one <laughs> That's mostly what it is. You know what they say, you can't tell your back from your knees, that old saying. Yeah, yeah, we're good at phrases this week. <laughs> Solid. Let's crack on with the tea update. Ooh. Yes. We are partnered with Bird and Blend Tea, which means we'll tell you what tea we're drinking. If you like the sound of it, you can go to runningisbs.com forward slash tea, click on the links, you can buy some tea if you want. Amy, you're enjoying a nice hot cup of tea. I am, on a hot day. And it's always those people when you're having tea on a hot day going, oh, it's better for you to have a hot drink on a hot day. I don't know why, but people always say that, don't they? Like, it's nonsense. Are those people eating ice creams in the when it's freezing cold? Probably, They're not. 
probably. They can shut up. <laughs> I've got Nearly Nirvana today, which I think I've spoken about Ooh. before. Really nice one. It's like a Chinese white tea and a Chinese green tea together with sort of jasmine blossoms, whatever they are, um, and a bit of mint and a bit of orange blossom. So it's very like a... Like, if you're into your teas, like, trying to expand your teas a bit and you're used to green teas and those sort of Chinese green teas where they add a bit of, like, uh, like jasmine or whatever, then this is a good one to go for. It's, it's really good. Potentially quite refreshing, despite being hot. It is. It is. I always find, like, green teas quite refreshing. And it, it tastes healthy. I feel like I'm being healthy having a, a green mm. tea. Yeah. How about you? What are you drinking? Well, I am sweating my balls off. I'm drinking some rhubarb and custard tea. Uh, that's a rooibos tea. No milk for me, which is quite unusual for me, but it's very, very nice. Tasted like rhubarb and custard boiled sweets. Mm. So that's a nice little retro hit if you're into that kind of thing. Um, I was going to do a cold brew, but I only just bought some lemonade and it would be like a warm brew, so that didn't really work. Mm. Um, but yeah, I definitely will be getting into that in the coming months when it will never, ever rain or be cold again. Uh, if you go to our website, as I said, runningsbsd.com, dot com forward slash t click on the links enter the code t is not bs at the checkout and if you're a new customer you get a free little bag of chocolate digestive tea which is good love it love it amy what have you been up to Ugh, fuck it out so i ran another ultra of course another ultra another one this is the third For one goodness sake amy so i'm i'm officially halfway through there's six ultras so i'm officially halfway mm-hmm. through now um, so I did the Vogum, which I wasn't really that nervous about going into it because I've done it twice before. So I was like, oh yeah, the Vogum. It was absolutely fucking horrific. Like it was horrific. I have, I have <laughs> never, I, I cried. I've never cried running a race, any sort of race. You know how some people, they like cry on races just because they're emotional or whatever. I was in the pits of fucking despair. Like, there was just something about it. Like, <laughs> Let's hope Reese from Pegasus is not listening to this one. <laughs> Reese, like, the, the Vogum's great. Like, the Vogum is fantastic. It's a great route um, if you're into that sort of thing. There's elevation, but there's not too much elevation. It's fairly flat because you're running a lot. So, it's, I should say, before I go into all this, 40 miles, poor call to Penarth, um, along the Wales... Yes, Vogum, Vogum is Vale of Glamorgan ultramarathon. Yes. It's along the along the coast path of exactly, Wales. Exactly, exactly. So as One of the nice bits, at least. Yeah, and as you might imagine, there's there's some steep uphills, kind of, in some places, to go up the side of the, the cliffs. Um, but then mostly you're running on fair, fairly flat. And I just found it really difficult. It, it was really, really hot, as it has been. But that bit wasn't too bad, actually, because I was drinking loads, so... I think about, I think Reese said about eight people dropped out um, this year, which is unusual because usually for Pegasus events, there aren't too many people dropping out because it's so chill and you don't have to, you don't have to push yourself if you're not feeling up to it or if you just don't want to. Yeah, they do often say they've got a hundred percent finish rate on a few of their races. Yeah, 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 because there's no cutoff time. So people aren't bloody running themselves like ragged trying to finish because they, there's no cutoff time. So yeah, so eight people dropping out of this race, considering it's not a super high elevation or anything is quite significant and it was just the heat and even the people that finished a lot of them were feeling really unwell and stuff um but that that was fine that was fine i was like on it drinking all my drinks getting my electrolytes my the heat wasn't bothering me it was just i think there was there was 
two things. So firstly was that the trail was super, super hard. So we hadn't had rain for for ages. And the trail was just really just, you know, when the mud cracks. So the trail mm. was super hard underfoot and it was just hurting my hip a bit. And then a lot of it was overgrown. So there's bits of trail where I couldn't see my feet. And, and the nature of the trail as well, there's a lot of very narrow trail through... Uh, fields so I felt like I was just on a camber constantly so my hip started to really hurt um and I started walking like a lot just because my hip was hurting my feet were fine but it just felt like a lot of impact just because the trails were so hard and I got to sort of I think I managed about 28 miles before I started to feel really shit which when you're doing 40 miles that's that's you know and I just going through Barry yeah 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 but it, it just when you've got like 12 more miles to go it was just horrific and going through Barry I was just crying I was like this is horrendous I hate my life right now what am I doing I just yeah there was just something about it and maybe it is because I've run it before as well that I knew how much further it was gonna be and how long it would feel because that's bit's always the the worst bit um so yeah overall and you didn't even get you didn't get a video of you crying you know what i oh, think people, of the numbers we people, could have done on that people who were following me on instagram because when i've been doing these these ultras i've been like updating people and usually towards the end mm-hmm. i sort of stop making videos because i'm in i'm in the pits of despair but especially during like the first half of the day at least i'm like making regular updates if anyone was watching me that day there was no regular updates i think i did one I video i was looking I yeah, was there was, I did like one video of um, emptying the sand out of my shoes after uh, the sandy bit, which was about four or five miles, lots of sand. Um, and that was the other thing as well. I think, so I ended up with like 500 feet of bonus elevation at the end. I'm like, how the fuck did I manage that? Because that's quite, you know, significant. But I think it was in the sand dunes. I think we ended up a bit lost and going over the top of sand dunes. I think I ended up doing a load of elevation, more elevation in sand dunes on sand. And then I think my calves didn't quite recover from that ever throughout the whole thing. So, so yeah. <laughs> so yeah, overall, horrendous. A um, few things to mention. Now, firstly, when I got there, I was given the number 69. Now, everyone might be like, hey, hey, The problem is, at the races, the, the Pegasus Ultras this year, you can choose your own number. I did not choose that number. <laughs> So I was very aware as I was going through checkpoints and people would be like, what number? That that maybe people were thinking I chose that number as some sort of... So were you of, like, six nine? Six nine? Yeah, I'm like, I was like, six Just nine. To try and, and disguise and it. And then I really wanted to say afterwards, I didn't choose this because I think I'm some like immature school I didn't, boy. Like. I didn't choose the 69. It was just given to me. It was... It was but it's okay. <laughs> it was... It was forced upon me. Oh, I just felt really embarrassed. Not be, and if it was like a, if it was just random that everyone just got a random number like it used to be, I wouldn't have been bothered. It would have been funny, but it's just the fact that it looked like I chose that. You know, it's, it's not. Like... I love, I love how stupid it is. Anyone sees sixty nine yeah. any context, people are like, way. It's mm-hmm. just, it's so stupid, and I love it. Yeah, but I just wanted to be like, I'm not like that. I didn't choose this number. I am not a fifteen year old boy. Um, you are a legend. I am. I am. <laughs> then the other thing that happened was on the day of the ultra, it just so happened uh, that me and Freya were, were buying a car, our, our first car. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Freya was going to, I was, I, I had the money in my account that I was going to transfer to the dealership and then Freya was going to go pick up this car just because that's just how it happened with timing. <laughs> um, so what I didn't 
really consider was that if you try and transfer money like that through your mobile phone app, that the NatWest fraud team might want to speak to you. Um, <laughs> so I'm about 12 miles in. I'm trying to transfer this money. And I'm literally on the side of a cliff, like literally just, just a metre or so away from like a sheer drop, just in the middle of nowhere. Um, and the app's going like, nah, you can't do this. You're going to have to wait for the NatWest fraud team to call you. So I couldn't move from that spot. I couldn't carry on going because the, the signal was really like in and out, in and out. So I stood in this one spot. I was on hold for about 15 minutes. And then I was speaking to this guy and it was, it was like a full-on fraud investigation type questions that they were asking me. They were asking me the red of the car, what colour it was. He was obviously doing his Googling on his end because he's like, oh, you bought it from this place and it's not far from your home. I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, how do you normally make payments for things? Are you sure? And all of this. And towards and, and I was going, yep, it's all fine. It's all fine. Um, I was answering all the questions and towards the end, he's reading me like his terms and conditions like, oh, if this just end up being fraudulent, um, you know, we, we, your money isn't protected. I'm like, mate, I am 12 miles in to a 40 mile run. I'm on the side of a cliff. Can we just like, can we speed it up a bit speed it up <laughs> so I was doing that and I was getting really stressed out and people are going past me like are you okay they were literally asking me like are you okay I'm like yeah yeah just just on the phone to the fraud team right now it's like no big deal well, yeah, yeah okay no problem that that literally added on I think about half an hour 45 minutes and again that was just <laughs> just more time on feet like I looked at my finish time I think in 13 hours I'm like why do you take so long apart from the sort of the, the crying and Barry and shuffling and stuff and all of that. I was like, yeah, because I was on the phone to fucking that West Fraud team for 45 minutes. That, that probably That blew the help. podium position then. I did, I did. So yeah, oh, so th God. that was, uh, wouldn't recommend. Um, so yeah, uh, other than that, I saw some cows, which I didn't expect to be there. So if you've run the Vogan before or done parts of the coast path in that area before you'll know that it's just lots of fields of sheep so i wasn't really worried about livestock as i was doing it climbed over a stile straight into a field just surround i was just surrounded by cows like big black cows cool just all surrounding me which wasn't great so i, I, I walked for that bit as well because i'd heard that if you yeah. run they chase you and then the second part was at nash point lighthouse there were all these dairy cows and they were separated from the path by one singular sort of strand of barbed wire. And they're all stood on, like, looking onto the path. And then one manages to get, as I'm approaching, one manages to get under the barbed wire. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I did this, like, people were all stood around just sort of having ice creams and stuff. And I did this, like, mad dash to the gate to get through it before this cow sort of spotted me and inevitably attacked me. So, so yeah, so I had, I had some runnings in, with cows I wasn't, wasn't expecting. And so then, after all that, did you win most determined runner this time? No, no. <laughs> Not even with the tears? No, no one, this is the thing, no one saw me. You can tell that I was properly oh. upset because no one saw me crying. So, you know, I put on a brave face at um, the checkpoints and people were, no. you know what, I must have been, I must have looked like, because, like I said, I wasn't unwell at all. Like, I had my hydration sorted and everything. I must have just looked miserable because at the final checkpoint, which is about eight miles before the end, which is still like a fair way in Barry, I thought the checkpoint, like, are you okay? Like, <laughs> so it must have been my face because I, I was, like I said, I, there was nothing wrong with me, like, physically um, in terms of, like, my hydration and stuff. They were all like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just going to keep going. I'm fine. Um, so I must have looked just absolutely miserable. Um, the other thing, finally, 
was I had a brief chat with Danny Blackie, who is running the entire coast path, or was running the entire coast path, so she was almost at the end. Um, so she, yeah, very briefly chatted with her. She, she, yeah, she'd been doing the entire coast path. When I was speaking to her, I, was, I asked her if she was going to do an FKT, and she said um, she would ha- have had to get to Chepstow by 5am the next morning, so she was like, you know, that's probably out of reach. Um, she ended up doing it in 24 days, 15 hours and 25 minutes. She seems lovely, but I will never forgive her because literally about a quarter of a mile before the end, she overtook me. And I'm like, you've been running the coast path like nonstop and you're going to overtake me like just at the end. And she was like, keep going. And I was like, fuck off. <laughs> like I've, I've just run like I've had like a week's taper and then I've run 40 miles where she's been running the whole coast path for like a month and she's like overtaking me right at the end I was like piss off oh that's sad <laughs> oh yeah she missed the FKT by 15 hours yeah yeah so um, but with the heat and stuff I'm not I'm not surprised to be honest um, it must have been really tough and she, it's funny because I, I started chatting to her as we went through a field of cows I said, like, oh, I don't like cows. And she said, yeah, yesterday I was surrounded by them and nearly had to call 999. So I was like, thanks for that. <laughs> thanks for that reassuring uh, tidbit there. So, yeah, overall, Vogum, absolutely fucking horrendous. Hated it. Uh, but it got done. It's done. Um, and Reese, if you're listening, it was a fantastic event, as always. I was just miserable. <laughs> oh. Yep, and that's it. It's very sad for you. What a tough time you've had. Don't worry. Only only three more to go? Yeah. Yeah, only, only three more to go. But none of them are the Vogum again, so that's that's one thing. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, on Twitter, Graham Hackland replied to us after that, because a lot of people say congratulations, obviously, and they said, Graham said, 2023 is the year Amy gains legendary status as a runner rather than a lost faller. <laughs> You're smashing your ultra challenge, Amy. We had uh, every faith in you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I don't know like what the poll was. Like, I can't remember the results of that poll again that said like how many I would complete. But I must have like I must have exceeded numerous expectations by now. I am halfway oh, yeah. through. Yeah, halfway three for three. Through. You're doing all right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, that's it. Anyway, what have you been up to? Oh, loads as well. Um, we had the biggest night of my running club's year, which is not a race. It's actually entering a race. It's a huge deal. There was absolute pandemonium uh, as 250 teams of three runners sold out this race in 14 minutes, which is pretty impressive. And out of 250, 24 of those teams are my club. So well done, CDF runners. We are on the ball. There was quite a few people saying they couldn't get in and it was bad and it was, no, it's not fair. And we couldn't get our teams in. We got 24 teams in, so there's no excuse. Exactly. It's such a stressful night. Building leading up to that, and people are like an hour before entry saying, "Who's in my team again?" And we're like, "No, oh you're supposed to have contacted them four days ago." Oh my god! Because <laughs> uh, we can't do it on Facebook anymore because most people aren't on Facebook anymore. So we all right, we'll do it all by email. But then everyone's email went into spam because I sent out like a hundred emails from like an account I don't use that often, so they all went into spam. So, but we're all there. So we'll uh, talk all about that in a few weeks. Um, I also did. An all-day 13-stage race called the Rack Raid, which is in South Wales. And I only just discovered it's called the Rack Raid because Rack stands for Ruins and Castle Keeps, which is a little tenuous as an acronym, but pretty accurate in terms of what we actually ran around. It's beautiful running around um, kind of Monmouthshire and Gwent, pretty much all on country lanes, but with so much support from all the other clubs. There was 28 teams there. 
Um, and so, you know, running down country lanes, but all the traffic overtaking is all other run clubs. And so they're all leaning out the window going, as they go past. <laughs> and like people beeping at you to support, which is nice, but also scares the shit out of you when you're running down a country lane. Yep. As they get right alongside, then beep and shout. And it's like, fucking hell, don't, yeah, I appreciate it, but don't do that again. Um, and we finished really, really well, despite it being our first year. We're not quite knowing what we were doing because it was had to, you know, 13 stages, but it's not like a simple handover. There was kind of a crossover between the start and finish of every stage. And we had four cars of people, like people driving different directions, all different, all over the kind of the county to figure out what to do. It was a really complicated day, but it was fantastic. It's definitely the kind of race where logistics is a full-time job in the lead up. But really, really enjoyed that. Definitely want to take more people and do that next year. Great race. Also, as mentioned, I've gone off to Wank, uh, which is a mountain in Germany. And yeah, I'll, I'll try and keep this fairly brief and just talk about the runningy bits, because that's probably the bits that people care about. Uh, in Bavaria, in the German Alps, in the shadow of Wank Mountain. And we were glad for that shadow because it was hot as balls all week. And when we did finally climb the thousand meters to the peak of the mountain, it was actually easier than we expected. I think it's just because it's a, a nice, like, well-kept path to the top. And like there was kind of switchbacks and steps uh, all the way up and actually we kind of got to the top because like holly had heard that some people had done it and had to be like clambering at the top so we were like okay this is going to get bad it's going to get really nasty and we just kept walking we're like oh it's fine <laughs> so yeah thousand meter climb at about 6k which was which was really good stopped at the top for a mezzo mix which is if, if you're from germany you know all about that and then you, we ran down the other side down some very steep gravel and roads uh, which was fantastic uh, we also ran for three hours one day and had the absolute shit scared out of us by three nearby explosions. Uh, honestly thought something very bad had just happened <laughs> as this kind of the shock waves of it bounced around all the mountains all around us. But uh, I kind of looked at my watch. It was exactly 10 o'clock. And so what it must have been uh, was the local abbey, which we just ran past, which was massive. They were firing cannons to celebrate Corpus Christi, which is a public holiday in Bavaria, a big Catholic thing. I had no idea existed. We kind of knew it was going on because we were worried the buses and things would be closed. But they seemed to be on. But apparently they just fire cannons to celebrate Jesus or something. But the body of Jesus the... or something. <laughs> yeah, we were only like half a mile away from it. Had no idea it was coming. Very scary. And again, like echoing all around the mountains as well. I thought like like a bomb or a mine explosion or something. Yeah, it was, that was very scary. So we ran to Oberammergau along a beautiful stream. Like, it's one of those streams, if you've ever been anywhere in the Alps, and it's just so clear, we couldn't not look at it. We were just running alongside it, like, look how clear it is. It's so clear. The water's so clear. And it's like, we didn't get over it the whole time. We were just running alongside, looking, saying how clear the water was. It was great. Lovely and cold as well to dip the buff in, because it was a really hot day. Uh, we ran to an alpine coaster, which is about the most fun I've had in four and a half minutes. Absolutely amazing. Like, it's like a little... I think they're actually called coaster bobs, which is very cute. It's like a little kind of car on a rail. You've got brakes, and it just goes down the side of the hill. It's about two kilometers long, just like zigzagging in and out. It does a little spiral, uh, just downhill for about 2K. Yeah, and it got down there in four and a half minutes. Wow. I Strava'd it, obviously, because I'm a Strava wanker. Got to 30 miles an hour, but the video of me going around it is great, because I'm like, around the corners, because like you're pulling some G-force around some of those corners. <laughs> And then I realise at the bottom I'm breathing really heavily. I think it's just because I'm holding my breath around all these corners. And by the end, I'm like, <laughs> even though I'm just sitting down, going downhill. But they, on a, they should be everywhere. If you see an alpine coast, go for it. They should be on every hill in the UK. They are amazing. That does sound um, awesome. And we, 
Yeah, uh, and then we ran a park run in Munich where it just so happened that Gabby Nea's sister was a volunteer. Of course, like, of course. <laughs> but park run is a weird, small world. Uh, we had a good chat with her in the awesome cafe afterwards. And she talked about how much she hates running fast and how much she just, like, Gabby dragged her to her, like, first runs and do her first marathon. And she hated her first marathon so much, she's only done 12 more. But I just love her attitude of, like, not wanting to run fast. She's saying, like, I have to go to work on Monday. Why am I running so fast I'm throwing up? Why am I making myself ill? There's no need for that. I don't need to be exhausted. I've got things to do. <laughs> like, that's a good attitude. <laughs> yep. She's I've got kids to look after. I've got a job to go to. I'm not standing and throwing up. I'm just going to take it slow and enjoy myself. Yeah, like, that's, that's my you. attitude. I don't have kids to look yeah. after or any responsibilities. I just don't like, just don't like running fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also met pod supporter Martin Kaplan, who drove, frankly, too far to come and say hello like all the other way from like the other side of germany like oh a few hours in the car just to come and say hello so that was a lovely surprise thank you very much martin um so i had an absolutely fantastic time love bavaria would love to go back went to the highest point of germany the zugspitze and for, like from there you can walk to austria just like through a little mm. corridor basically so we i was in austria for 10 minutes as well which was fine um but yeah being three thousand meters up in zugspitze was amazing on a fantastic cable car uh, ate sausages and loads of ridiculous unhealthy food very very Bavarian food it was incredible you should go to Bavaria it's great uh, and since I come back I did a weight session which oh. for me is a big deal that's cross training that's right 23 minutes of lifting some not very heavy weights two days ago still feel like shit yep. and that's why I don't like doing them but I'm trying to force myself I'm trying to do that I'm running in the midday sun I'm running up hills uh, in a vague vain attempt to get a bit fitter. You're like an athlete. Like an athlete, like yeah, one. certainly. Yeah, close. Not actually, but similar to in yeah. some ways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of athletes. Yes, we've got a guest for you. Hey, amazing. This is someone we followed on Instagram and we're delighted to get a chance to speak to him and get his bullshit takes on running. And as we announced uh, this guest, just before we recorded actually, we can bring you this from Steffels on Instagram who said... H-A-E-S running is bullshit during Pride Month. Now, H-A-E-S, I looked up, is is health at every size, which is a way of eating that supports people in adopting health habits for the sake of health and well-being rather than weight control. So that's very good. Um, so, yeah, H-A-E-S running is bullshit in Pride Month. Buzzing off my tits, fam. This is going to be pure wonderful. There you go, Martinez. That is something to put on the cover of your next book. Steffels, buzzing off my tits, fam. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Five-star review. Joining us today is the founder of a club I'm sure a lot of our listeners will want to join, the Slow AF Run Club, which is now a brand new book with the tagline, The Ultimate Guide for Anyone Who Wants to Run. We've got runner, coach and author Martinez Evans. Welcome to the podcast. What's up, y'all? Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, straight off, we got in contact after we saw your story on Instagram, where you laughed off another podcast who wanted to charge you three and a half thousand dollars to be a guest. Yes. So we uh, we slid into your DMs to let you know we were much, much cheaper than that. I mean, that is some <laughs> solid bullshit to start us off. Look, podcasting is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's fine. But yeah, um, I, I think that's the thing of being a plus size guy and reaching out. Hey, I'm on all on the offense myself. So I'm reaching out to podcasts. I'm promoting this thing myself. So, yeah, like, I'm going to swing for the fences. I'm going to try to hit some of the podcasts that I like to listen to and things that I saw. And one of the podcasts was like, yeah, 
We'll do it for $3,500. Like, are you crazy? And then it got me to thinking, is that what people paying to be on podcasts? If that's the case, I need to, I need to uh, restart my podcast over again because we need thirty five hundred dollars. Exactly. I mean, if even we can make a little bit of money from podcasting, they should be paying you. I mean, I want to put it out straight out there: we're not paying you. But if anything, you know, people should be paying you to be on there. Hey, incredible! That's the world we. That's the world we're in now. Apparently, the game has changed. <laughs> okay, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, your running story is a pretty extraordinary one. Um, tell us how it began. Yeah, so my journey started with some bullshit. Um, back in 2012, I was working at uh, this store called Men's Warehouse, which is a suit clothing company here in the States. And I was working on commission sales. So I was on my feet eight to 12 hours a day in hard bottom dress shoes, which has to be the absolute worst thing you can ever wear um, for eight to 10 hours a day. Um, one day I found this sharp pain in my hip. I went to go see my doctor. And instead of him giving me advice on how to figure out what's going on with my hip pain, he had a whole nother thing coming for me. So he said, Mr. Evans, I know why you're in pain. I said, okay, why? I'm thinking it's because I played football or, you know, a sport-related injury. He said, it's because you're fat and you either need to lose weight or die. <laughs> me taking aback because I'm here for my hip. And that's the first thing you say to me. So we have like this big argument and I remember saying to him, like, you know, screw you, screw this. I'm going to run a marathon. And he laughs and tells me that's the most stupidest thing I've ever heard in all of my years of practicing medicine. And I was like, what? And he was like, if you run a marathon, you will die in that course. So instead of putting hands on him, like I wanted to stormed out the doctor's office and on my way home, I bought some running shoes and I got on the treadmill and failed miserably. Couldn't run longer than 15 seconds. And that was the start of my journey. How did you jump straight to marathon? How was that? That was your, your reaction to that doctor. Because was it like, in your mind anyway? It wasn't. So let's talk about like where we was at in 2012. So like 2012, right? Blogging was like the big thing. And like marathoning was like this whole big thing as well, especially it's like around around like the marathon boom. So in my head, I was like, yeah, I'll run a marathon. So a couple things, Stuart. I didn't know how far a marathon was. <laughs> so that's the first thing. You know, I was at one point in, in my life, I was saying, hey, I'm going to run a 5K marathon. And then one of my friends was like, no, Martinez. Those are two separate things. There's a 5K, and that's a distance. And there's a marathon, and that's a distance. A 5K marathon does not exist. Yeah, you are one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> I combined it all together. So when I really found out, like, well, how far is a marathon? He's like 26.2 miles. The wheels start turning you start to be like, well, 26 miles, like that's from here to two towns over. And it's like, well, who, who's running that? People run that for, for fun. And then uh, throughout the whole process, I was like, okay, you know what? I still got to prove this doctor wrong. I'm gonna go out and do it. And you did it. And I did it. How long did that, that first marathon take? 
in terms of right from that appointment to to the marathon itself? Um, it took me. So I met the doctor in July of 2012. I ran my first marathon in October of 2013. Okay. So a little bit wow. over like a year and a half. Um, of course I didn't. Of course I didn't just like go into marathon training. Hell, I, I fell off the treadmill of 15 seconds. So. Like there was some training that had to get there to build up. And, you know, I just slowly build up throughout that whole process. Like, you know, first a being able to like succeed with running a minute straight and then going from a minute straight to like five minutes straight and so on and so forth. And then um, when I ran my first race and I got a medal and I was like, oh, oh, this is fun. I get a medal for doing this thing. And then um, I just continued to go. So I ran more 5Ks and then I eventually leveled up to a 10K, ran a couple 10Ks and then leveled up to a half marathon. And then um, New Year's Day of 2020, um, 2013, um, I was like, all right, I'm going to run this marathon this year. I'm going to run it in 2020, uh, not 2023, 2013. And I was like, okay, I don't know how much time I need to train for a marathon, but I think 10 months would get me there. And then um, I just looked up and Googled, like, what marathons are in October that I can sign up for? And um, my hometown, Detroit, Detroit Marathon, um, their registration had just opened on New Year's Day. I was like, well, this is the race I'm doing. Mm Mm-hmm. There's so many, there's so many these harmful stereotypes as well about who runners are, and really, in in, in theory, it's like the most practical, the most accessible sport. Really, as long as you've got a a body and you can move it faster than a walking pace, right. then you're you're running. But there's so many of these really harmful barriers for people who don't look like a typical runner, sort of white, skinny, you know, often men, often straight, and so on. Which I think you touch on a bit in your book. Absolutely. And I think that's the the main thing about running and the story that I'm just trying to preach for individuals out there um, is that running is for everybody. And it's not just for the elite or the elitist runners who are out there who think the road belongs to them because they can run faster than somebody else, but can't run faster than the actual elite runners. Like, let's get that right. Like, <laughs> it's usually the elitist runners who are like behind the actual elites who are actually competing for money who are like have this chip on their shoulder um about everything else about running and for me i'm like well it seems like you're mad because you're quote unquote isn't fast enough to be in in the front of the pack yeah there definitely is that kind of elitist runner and then the little bit ahead of those the runners that are better than them are kind of really nice i found over my kind of years you know, the people that are kind of generally winning in races and doing well, generally really lovely. It's, but yeah, as you yes. said, it's probably those people that are a little bit behind. They can't quite hack it. Yes. And um, so after this marathon, that was obviously a big experience to do the first marathon. What At what point after that was it you decided to start helping others and what you wanted to kind of bring this experience to other people? So throughout this whole process, I learned a lot of stuff along the way mainly because I couldn't find anybody to train me. So nobody would train a 300 pound man. They were like, you know, we don't want to be responsible for that. Like if you get hurt, you know, we don't want to be responsible for any of that. So like you're on your own. 
So I had to like forge and learn things the hard way. Bought a lot of books on running. I've, you know, did the run coach certification. And one of the things I noticed is that most of the stuff wasn't useful to me at all. You know, um, the book here in the States, that's like the quote unquote, like the golden standard for running is the Jack Daniels book on running. I don't know what it is over there across the pond, but here you would think the Jack Daniels book on running is like the running Bible. And it's very technical. B.02s, um, pace charts don't um, go faster or, or, you know, doesn't get, go past a 13 minute miles. You got two quality runs and it's very scientific. But in that book, it does not tell you what to do if uh, you went for a run and you ran in cotton underwear and now you chafed. It doesn't tell you what to do if, you know, this is your first long run for the first time and you're thinking, well, I'll just wake up in the morning, uh, roll out the bed and just start running and don't eat nothing for breakfast. And then like you get lightheaded and having to call your wife or your family member and say, hey, I'm on the side of this road, like come get me. It doesn't teach you any of that stuff. Only thing that these books teach us is, is um, their way and their method to become a faster runner. Well, to make a, like, generally like, to make a fast runner even faster. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing, Stuart, is that most of these books are written by elite athletes, former elite athletes, or coaches of elite athletes. Telling you that, trying to teach you how to make a fast runner even faster. And for me, um, at first, I thought I was crazy. I thought I was the crazy one. You know, is it me? Like, should I be getting faster? Should I be trying to train to run faster than a 10-minute mile and, like, break myself to try to get there? And as I was running races and talking with people on the course and being like, well, how did you learn? Like, what training plan did you use? And most of them was like, I, I – Frankenstein the plan from three or four different other plans to, to make the plan to get me. And I was like, that isn't a way that like, that doesn't make sense. So from there, I just went on my own journey to um, be able to like start creating plans that just made sense for me. Um, it just made sense to like some of the assumptions that I had when it came to when I started running. So like the first assumption was, you know, most couch to 5k programs have, um, like they end at like week eight run three or whatever. And it's like run 30 minutes straight. Congratulations. You ran a 5k. Mm. And I don't know about you, but I'm not running a 5k in that, in that time. I remember that bit of the, I remember that bit of couch 5k and it was such a disappointment when I got to the last week and I'd run like two miles and I was like, oh, okay, I haven't run a 5k. (laughs) Right. So like for me, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take the assumption that, you know, the person I'm training is running an 18 minute mile. So that can be walking pace. That can be running pace. Like if I take that assumption that Somebody is is running an 18 minute mile. Theoretically, any training plan that you give them, whether they're faster or maybe even a little bit slower, can fit and they'll be able to get to the distance 
that they're training for. Not congratulations, you ran 30 minutes straight. You can go run a 5K. And it's like, oh, I can't. <laughs> and we'll have more from Martinez in a bit. Now you can support this podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash running is bullshit and donating money every month. New to the list this month is Neil Denton. Cheers, Neil. You finished second at the Vogum that you did. Good for him. And you'll be delighted here, everyone. Amy said it couldn't be done. No one else had an opinion on it, so I set out to prove you all wrong. Here are our supporters for this month. Angela Foster Swales, Victoria Magnus Nikki Genders, Sophie Jacks, Gordy Delwell, Matt Garner, Raymond Quinn, Elizabeth Chopin, Brian Simpson, Matt H. Samantha Benson, Claire Davis. Stuart Stevens, Vicky Robin, Steve, Roxy Care Ryder, Ruth KD, Kath Everard, Francis Howe, Rachel Fenty, Viola Gray, Victoria Dick, Sandra Heinzer, Lisa Gibbons, Matt Burrows, Gregory C. J. Howells, Andy Robbins, Trish Holton, Nikki Jones. Chris Gaim, Elliot Line, James Lamper, AP, Karen Blay, Kat, Abigail Hartman. Luke Daniels, Amanda Murray Hoyne, David Owen, Maria Wicks, Matt Mitchell Running, Jason Spings, Andy Nichols, Ian Thompson, Charlie Neverson, Ivor Hewitt, Adam Mackinson, Clark Gilmore, Matt Jones, Liz Reese, Tom Alcock, Debbie Hurley, Tony Howell, Sam Whaley, Matt Newbury, Jonathan Carter, Neil Denton, Ian Hales, Paul Hibbert, Graham Hackman, Julia Payne, Jenny Tenesby, Claire Dina, Matt Jesiorski, Aaron Shaw, Bernadette McCarthy, Martin Josie, Will Martin Gelseal, Kirk Shepherd, Jay, Sophie Nichols, Penny Simpson, Carl Fleming, Gabriel Thomas Meyer, Anthony Howe. Jerry Grubbs, Lawrence Dawson, Lee Wood, Cassie Jones, McAffin, H. Tom Shepherd, Dewey Shambolic Adults, Karen Hamilton, Rachel Bullmore, Catherine Fenton. I did experiment with that to like change the pitch to make mine really high pitched and yours really low pitched, but it was even worse than that. So <laughs> I just reverted it to normal. Perhaps there'll have to be like a limited edition to go out at some point. Oh, and also, sorry, uh, Martin Kaplan should be on that list. I mean, he drove all the way across Germany to come and see me and then we accidentally left him off. The list. So sorry. Uh, Martin Kaplan, Martin Kaplan, Martin Kaplan, Martin Kaplan. That'll do. That makes yeah, up for it, doesn't yeah. it? More than makes up for it. So don't forget to get in touch with your running bullshit on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search running is BS. Let us know what you particularly hate running this week. Amy, who has hated running this week? Rachel Bullmore. She says, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Really agreed oh. with the LGBTQ plus support. Proud of you for your stance. Oh, thank you, Rachel. Yes. Thank you. Just to mention, my snapback cap arrived last week without the need to complete ridiculous questions when ordering. It made its first outing at the Colchester Castle Park run on Saturday. No BS from me this week. Just happy to be able to get out and run. That's not very on brand, oh. Rachel. And I'm not sure why. Yeah. Why have you not had these pointless conversations? Why is it me? Yeah, that that message did finish on a bit of a low. I'll be honest, but it, it did include uh, praise of us, so I obviously wanted to include it for that reason. Yeah, obviously. 
This is a bit more on brand. Donna Saunders, who says, running my first ultra in the Simpson Desert in mid-30s temperatures with a gazillion flies for company might possibly be bullshit. Uh, I've checked, and it is. Yes, 100%. The Simpson Desert is is right in the middle of Australia. I looked it up, and there's just like, you draw a circle in the middle of Australia, and that's exactly where it is. It's horrendous. And that was winter. It was mid-30s in their winter, which is stupid and wrong. And she's got a photo here, and like if you zoom in on the bag, it looks like a little bit of texture on the bag or like a pattern. Mm. No, no, that's all flies. Oh my god! That's just and she's got a fly net over her face, and that's that's her first ultra. That's awful. Oh, and she started at two a.m. And it's Australia, so those flies would probably kill you with just one little bite. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> two a.m. for a start of an ultra. God. I also saw on Strava recently. A friend uh, was in Bangkok and did a ten-mile race. That started at three thirty a.m. Still thirty degrees. Still like eighty-five percent humidity. Oh my god! Horrendous. God. Ugh. Ugh. Got our usual update from Gabby Naya. So tales from a fell race. It is distinctly weird to sit on the shoulder of someone calling out the elevation and distance stats while climbing, and who motivates mm-hmm. himself by shouting, "Come on, big bear! You are a good bear." <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure this wasn't a hallucination? She said, there is only one response, overtake and run. Yes. <laughs> come on, Jesus. Big Bear. I mean, come on, Big Bear. I can almost, I can almost, you are a good bear Yeah. is where it gets a bit odd. Yeah. Yeah. Something not quite right there. Um, and in what is rapidly becoming the Gabby Naya section, she says, so I will be a DNS did not start for the summer spine race challenger the race i had targeted as my a race for two years oh no was it the may lurgy that did it the two weeks of toothache (laughs) nope a change of time in a work meeting to 49 hours into a race oh what gabby i know you're putting this out here now so that like maybe you can't do this but may just throw a sickie don't let work stand in the way like two years if my employer's listening, oh, I, I would I would never do this. But hypothetically, if something n- work isn't that important. <laughs> no, I think she because she works at university and it's like a kind of meeting that like if she doesn't do, people don't graduate. So it's that that is some bullshit. Never let work, never let the future of these students stand in the way of your dreams. Yeah, the children are our future unless we stop them now. Exactly. Again, if my employer is listening, I don't mean any of that. I think it's really important that they graduate. <laughs> well, we're going to follow this up with some very welcome anti-Gabby propaganda, which is uh, very much needed and we encourage any more. Mm-hmm. It says, hello, fellow dog lovers and running haters. I have a bullshit beagle who is not allowed off lead ever. A Labrador Husky mix acquired for running, who loathes running. He rightly identifies he gets no benefits, such as extra snacks from it. And a Terrier, who just kills small things, which is quite distressing on a run. Uh, That was entirely incidental. I think you're just updating about a dog situation, which we appreciate. I wanted to drop you a mail about running. I took up running because of Gabby Thomas-Nair. It is all her fault. It isn't any of the things she promised. It's basically bullshit. Anyway, I decided a couple of years ago I'd run a 5k to make a change, and now I find myself doing marathons. That's all her fault too. She does at least run them with me and doesn't even lose her cool when I'm particularly pathetic. Unlike Gabby, I detest trails, and there aren't any in... Amy, how do you say this uh, place name? Oh my god. 
Wimentam? Wimentam? Wyndham. And there aren't any in Wyndham anyway. She says... Oh, I've heard of Wimden. I've heard of Wimden. Uh, she says, I believe Stu is a Norfolk lad and unlike 99% of the population will pronounce this correctly. Yes, <laughs> it's easy. I don't see what the problem is. I went to Cossey High School. You will not guess how to spell that, I guarantee. Oh, so I do all my bullshit running on country lanes with drivers telling me alternately that I should A, run on the other side of the road. Incorrect. Checked highway code. Or B, run faster. Incorrect. Fuck off. <laughs> anyway... I signed up for a stupid thing in August. A sun-up to sundown looped bullshit event in Newmarket. I love to do a race report. I may even manage more than one 5.3-mile loop in the 15 and a half hours. I love the show. Thank you so much for the continuing joy you bring. Aww. Abigail Hardman. Again, a message that finishes very strangely. Yes, very odd. We'd love that race report as well. That sounds suitably bullshit. So, yeah. Especially if you can do more than one loop. Yeah, yeah. I Come mean, on. but if you can only do one loop, I want to know the reason for that. I mean, that's got to be quite horrific. Unless you're just lazy. <laughs> Maybe. We <laughs> also had a message from Brian Simpson who says, It's just gone 6am and about to head out on another lap of Indoor 24. 24 hour running is most definitely bullshit. For the record, this is only going to be my fourth lap and I'm already fucked. God knows how the serious runners feel. Ugh. Yeah, not been tempted by one of those events yet. Nope, definitely not. Is that one of those um, on a, like a track or is it a... Yeah. yeah, no, it's just a loop. You just go and do as many as you want. Oh, okay. There's an event in Cardiff that has a similar name, which is round like a, a running track, or there used to be anyway, and that's that would be even more horrific. So, yeah. There is the Barry 40, a 40 mile event on a track. Ugh, God, no. That's so bad, so bad. Uh, email from Callum Burrell. Hello there, Ribs team. 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 <laughs> I think you mean hello there, Stuart. <laughs> First time email from a relatively new listener. Has the subject of being a poster person ever been broached on the pod? It can be a bit of fun when folk contact you stating they've spotted your mug on some advertising blurbs online helping to promote a local race. Yeah, could we see these every now and then. I'm not sure if we ever have been particularly, but you know, you see these quite often. It says, on a recent photo, I tried to reshare the photo on a Facebook thread and was alarmed when there was a warning stating this comment may go against our community standards. Puzzled, I looked again at the photo and there appears to be something long and straight pointing upwards between my legs. A fantastic light trick, which clearly the race organisers haven't spotted. I'm closing the infending eye and with this email, I trust you are both well. If not, this would hope you bring a smile to your faces. And it is Callum jumping in the air with his legs bent and it's just the way the shadows are and the light from behind him is just like a long section of light running along the inside of his leg. Doesn't look like a penis particularly, no. but I can I guess the algorithm has detected that's the middle of a person and here's a pink long thing. So it makes you it's look just twice, flagged though. it just in case. At first glance, yeah. you, you take a second glance because you're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, but the, the Lime Park Trail 10K obviously did not notice this when selecting that photo. How could they not? Or maybe that's why they did. <laughs> Maybe that's why they did. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps it's a stepping stone to a, a naked race. Yes. Perhaps Lee Wood will get up there soon. Oh, and, yes, uh, definitely. Join in. Yes. <laughs> I've got another message. Hi, Stu and Amy. I completely agree with you on the subject of short distance races. Last year, I got yes. talked into taking part in a 3K race on track. That was so out of my comfort zone that even on the day, I considered just not turning up. 
but yeah, that's me with most of my races. Just don't bother turning off. It's fine. The race was split into three pace categories, so I signed up to the slowest one. 4.30 minutes per kilometre or slower. I have no hope in hell of ever getting my pace down to 4.30. Six minutes is where I'm at if I try and go really fast. So I turned up knowing full well I'd be last or thereabouts, and I wasn't wrong. What was hilarious, though, was the fact that the age categories were split into five-year groups, which meant there weren't many people in each category. There were only three of us in my age group, so I was guaranteed a third place. What happened in the end was even better, because the other two women in my group placed second and third overall, which meant they wouldn't be getting age category place. I didn't know it worked like that. So here's photographic evidence of me collecting my first place trophy for coming 42nd (laughs) out of 43 in a 3K race, in which I set a 1K PB of 5 minutes 28. Lots of love to you both, Agatha. Amazing. Legend. Oh, I love it. That's perfect. I dream of that. A win is a win. Yep, I dream of that. I dream of like coming almost last in a race and then the other people in my age category or all the other female people just just die or so- not die i shouldn't say that but something <laughs> bad happens they have to pull out no not even that okay they just don't turn up i'm w- wishing death and, and bad things on people they just don't turn up and i and i win <laughs> that is amazing <laughs> finishing 42nd out of 43rd and getting a first place trophy is incredible definitely that is glorious uh, someone else in my club recently uh, won a race uh, she was first female finisher in a 10k race and she just <laughs> And it, I get she, she would very much admit that she is not someone who should be winning races. Mm-hmm. Um, she put on her Facebook post to the group. I think she mentioned the fact she won about 12 times, literally just saying, I won, I won, I won. <laughs> not re- not an age category win. I actually won. I was first place. Me, I won. And then credited the HRT with uh, giving her the boost. I'm like, yep, good for you. She's on the juice and doesn't care. <laughs> yep. But yeah, absolutely. You can only be what's put in front of you. Exactly. Exactly. Let's pick back up with Martinez Evans, who has just run 5K, but not in 30 minutes, which is apparently a very important benchmark. Mm. After you'd learned all that, you actually had to become a coach yourself, you know, yeah. in order to, to continue. And at what point did that become a brand? So, um, Slow F Run Club. So, during that whole process... I already had somewhat of a brand. Like I started a blog called 300 pounds of running. Um, and it was pretty much just documenting when I ran races, you know, letting people where I'm at, Hey, I ran at this pace, things of that sort. And when I went from 300 pounds to slow F run club was when I ran a marathon and I got heckled by a, a spectator. So, um, so running a marathon, I was maybe about, they mile 16 to 17 and and this fucking drunk asshole was like you're slow as fuck go home and i had my headphones in so just imagine just running and like you see somebody out of your corner and i just like yelling at you so you thinking like maybe they're cheering for you or yada 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 so you take out your headphones and you look at them and say what and it's like go home you're slow as fuck go home and I remember having an argument. It's like, so I'm slow as fuck and I should go home, but I'm the one that's running and you're on the sideline drunk. I was like, man, you don't get the fuck up out of here. But something about that resonated with me. And I was like, okay, I know what I'm going to do. So from that point on, like I got a t-shirt made, just had slow A up or over across my chest. And I wore it at every race that I ran. 
faithfully, which is more of like a middle finger to him to say, you know, screw you. I'm slow as fuck. I'm slow. Yeah. And I'm proud of it. Like I'm out here running where, while you're still on the sidelines, like talking shit about me. Um, and that was a hit. People loved it. It was like, Hey man, can I buy one of those shirts? Like, do you sell those shirts? And at that moment I was like, I don't, but I can. (laughs) And, um, I remember, um, launching that brand and selling 500 shirts in my first week. Wow. Me being like, Holy moly, I have something here. Um, and that was like the birth of the slow front club. It went from, um, individuals buying shirts to individuals being like, Hey, Martinez, like, do you have like a Facebook group? Like, how do we get in touch with all these other people who are also wearing these shirts? Like we want to be able to get in touch with these folks or like run races together. And, um, from there, I just went on the process to like creating the slow run club app. So now we have about a little over 11,000 members inside of there. Wow. So people just around the world, um, you know, chit chatting about running, you know, we have, we offer training plans there and it's, it's overall it's just a safe space for us back at the Packers to, um, get together to talk about running, um, encourage people who, who've been afraid in the past, um, to not, you know, who's been afraid in the past to a, to start running, but also to like, let people know that it's okay to share your paces, even if it's, slower than what you would think. And that's something that I didn't experience in other Facebook groups. You know, I remember, remember being a part of a slow runner group and, um, you know, I'll post my, 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 my paces and it's like maybe 13 minute mile, 14 minute mile. And then be like, Oh, like you're just walking. Like you're a walker. And me being like, what? Like I'm trying my damnedest out here. Like, what do you mean? I'm just a walker. Um, so from that point on, I was like, okay, like this is my community and I'm just going to grow it. And I'm just going to spend all of my time here because Facebook groups are a dumpster fire. Open ones. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, it's a really interesting revolution that we've definitely seen over the years. We've done this podcast of that more uh, embracing the back of the pack that's been a really big thing here there was a really bad incident with the london marathon here and they completely turned around everything they've done they've made it into a big experience now we've spoken to a few guests uh about this kind of thing now and yeah i guess you just came along at the right time that no one is properly talking about slow running and the fact that it's fine if if you want to slow run you have you can slow run you don't have to always want to improve you don't have to get fast and no one, not everyone's goal is speed. Like I have no interest in running fast. I run distance. I like training for ultras, like trail running. And I have no interest in running fast whatsoever, you know? So not everyone's goal is to be, is to be faster. And guess what? None of us are getting prize money anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so it shouldn't matter. Like, exactly. <laughs> so that's my thing is that we've taken the fun and the soul out of running. Um, and I, like I said, it goes back to like these elitist runners. Um, and it's, like I said, this is my assumption. It, it goes back to these elitist runners who, you know, made it to Olympic trials and like, that's what their career ended at. And now they have this chip on their shoulder of like, well, 
I can't be amongst Elliot. So like, I'm going to, you know, make everybody else feel something feel lesser than, than me here so that I can feel better about myself because my career stopped at where it stopped at. And I think the thing is, you know, having these conversations with race directors and letting them know that if you really just want to focus on fast runners, put a pace, like put a pace limit on there and see who shows up. Don't have, don't have charity runners. Don't give money to charity. Like, but they won't because there's so much money that goes into the running industry itself. Like, multiple charities make their whole salary off of various races mm -hmm. that they're not going to not let the people in the back of the pack to participate. Because if, if they didn't, who who's going to raise money for charities? Like what's, what's going to be the aspirational goal for that particular race? If you don't have us in the back making it what it is, if that's the case, have a marathon, have the, Fast it for 100 people and let the event be done in two and a half hours, three hours. Yeah. So I was thinking about the other day, actually, just the kind of absurdity of all of us entering races all the time. We're not going to win these races. No. Like the point, literally the point of a race is to see who is the fastest. And 99% of people are entering have no intention of trying to win. It's, no. it's kind of crazy. It is. We pay money for our participation medal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing I was saying. But you don't earn that medal. You buy that medal. Let's be <laughs> you real. Bought that, you bought that medal. <laughs> so, you know, and I think that's the thing about pace inclusivity, size inclusivity. You know, a lot of racing or like the running industry is trying to get big on like just overall diversity. You know, you know, they're, they're trying to bring in various races and ethnic uh, ethnicities in there. You know, they're, they're talking about, you know, the large debate is about uh, whether or not um, non-binary individuals are able to run and whether or not they deserve prize money and things of that mm -hmm. sort. Um, but I think the last frontier um, when talking about diversity is, you know, size inclusivity and supporting the individuals in the back of the pack. And if you're not participating in that, then your race is not wholly diverse mm. because you're not supporting those people in the back uh, we said at the top of the interview that your book is the ultimate guide for anyone who wants to run which is sounds fantastic um so how have you made this such an inclusive and all-inclusive guide oh man so first things first is you talk to a lot of people <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. you talk to a lot of people um so I think about me writing this book. I had 20 or so people who were my test readers. So I'll read it. I'll, I'll write a chapter and I'll send it to these test readers and get their feedback. And um, this included beginner runners, like absolutely beginner runners, that individuals who were just starting to train with me on a one-on-one -on -one basis uh, and get this to them and say, hey, like, I know you haven't got this far, but what questions you may have, you know, talking to some of the more experienced runners and saying, Hey, like, what have I missed? Um, and just going through that process. Like I'm a very methodical guy. And like, that was more or less my process talking to women, talking to men, thinking about my own experience. Um, 
and just having all of that stuff and putting it right into that book. Yeah, I'm really glad you actually, that was the first thing you said, because it's, it, you know, obviously you can write from your own experiences, but you need to know everyone else's and not presume that, you know, uh, other people's kind of experiences and stories. So you've gathered those all together, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, the book, uh, particularly, you know, the first chapter that you sent to us that we really, really uh, both enjoyed, it's very much into the the mindset rather than the physical side. Why did you go with that first? Why is that so important? So the reason why I went with mindset first is that, when I meet a lot of beginner or new runners, the first thing they say is I'm not a runner. I'm not a runner. And it's because what they think about running is completely different from what actually is running. So I wanted you to be able to um, just bust that down right in, right in the front of it to let them know a, that you are a runner and B, here are ways to overcome some of the voices that you might be encountering um, at the beginning of your run, because we all have those voices. So what would you say are some of the key tips or takeaways from your book without spoiling it too much? Because, of course, we want people to go out and pre-order it on Amazon. But uh, what would you say were some of the key things you were covering? Oh, man. So we talked about mindset. Uh, we talk about um, cross training. You know, that's probably my first, my favorite chapter, cross train or die or risk oh, injury. Oh, God. Cross training. We're die. Sorry. It's not a style. Horribly injured. Yeah. I'd rather get injured. Thank you. <laughs> so cross train or die or risk getting injured. That's my favorite chapter. Um, and I just spent a lot of information, a, a lot of time in there. Um, just on the fact that I wanted to give individuals um, a specific training plans and exercises that they can do to prevent injury, but also give it in a way that they can either modify up or modify down. Like that's something I've really seen with um, any running book or just really any like fitness focused book is that here's the exercise. Here's how you can make it harder. Here's how you can make it. Easier. Um, so like that's one of my favorite things. Um, nutrition. You know, um, that, that's something I also talk about as well. Um, and, and I provide a lot of stuff from my point of view as a 300 pound runner. You know, how I look at running a marathon is how most people would think of um, running an ultra marathon is. Because when you think of like most nutritional, like the um, like the, the nutritional synapse, like it's all based off of like time and things of that sort. And then my question is, for who or for whom is it based off a 125 or 150 pound guy who's running, you know, um, a, a three hour marathon? Because if that's the case, like that's not enough calories for me. So letting individuals know, here's how you can find the amount of calories you need for your own particular body. So the book is out on June the 6th, but in the five minutes we've got left of this zoom call, um, Martins, we have to ask you the most important thing we ask all of our guests, which is what is the most bullshit thing about running? <clears throat> Race is running out of medals. Fucking bullshit, man. Like, how do you not know how many red medals to have for all of the people <laughs> who are running this race? Yeah. That's bullshit. I paid for this. I paid for this race. And you don't have a medal for me. And you talk about, oh, we ran out, we're a medal to you. No, that's bullshit. I want my medal now. I've been spending all my time on this on this course, on my feet, sweating, breathing hard, 
trying to figure out how to get to the finish line, encourage myself, and you don't have a medal for me. Absolute bullshit. Yeah, that is definitely something that's come up a lot with people because we know a lot of races. I'm quite sure they 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 get like say two thousand orders and they think well. 300 of those won't turn up. So we'll save a bit of money and we won't buy as as much stuff. And it's when they do turn up is when they seem to get caught out. And that happens exactly. a lot. It happens a lot. And then the thing is, is that these medals, when you get to that amount of people who are coming to race, this a 10,000 person race, like the price of the medal is like less than a dollar. You don't have my race medal here. The 10 years on are you still into medals you still collecting them all i i still collect them (laughs) Uh, it's something like every year so i'll take a picture where like all my race medals on Mm -hmm. and it's like whoa all this is heavy but it just become a thing that's like on the wall (laughs) takes a lot of time just to get them all just to put them wow yeah i've got too many for that um, so uh, tell us a bit more. How can people find you and your book? Absolutely. So you can find me on all things the internet. First things first at 300 pounds and running. That's 300 spell out pounds and running on Instagram and Facebook. That's my personal uh, Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can find the slow F run club at slow run club.com. Um, and then the book is available. where all wherever books are sold. So uh, your Amazon is of the likes Barnes and Nobles, pretty much wherever books are sold, you'll be able to find it there as well. Fantastic. And th- will that be an audio book as well? Absolutely. You will hear this buttery baritone voice oh, in your ears. That's telling all the stories. <laughs> <laughs> I might be into that. Uh, yeah, so fantastic. So that's something people can listen to on their runs as well. Perfect. Martinez, thank you very much for joining us. Yes, thank you. I'm really looking forward to the book. It sounds absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think we need to get some pre-orders in. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you so much again to Martinez. Uh, We did mention kind of pre-orders and when the book is coming out there, but we changed the date of this episode because we actually recorded that ages ago. So the book is out. It is out now. You can go and get it right now. We've already shared on Instagram, so go and follow 300 Pounds and Running get hold of that book uh the audiobook oh that is going to be the sexiest sounding running book out yep. there oh yeah he's looking forward to he's that got a perfect voice for for radio <laughs> audiobooks yeah <laughs> and there's so much good stuff in that book as we said you know all about the kind of the mental side all about the different kind of barriers different kind of inclusion kind of things as well there's loads and loads in there it's very different i think from your normal running book which is about how to run faster. And it's incredibly well written. Like some running books, I'm not naming any name, but some of them, especially that sort of style, which is like a how, almost like a bit of a how-to as well. Some of them are absolutely mm. shy, like the, the way they're written. But this is really, the way it's written is super, super engaging. It's one of those like, yeah. even though it's a bit of like a how-to, you, you don't want to put it down sort of thing. It's super engaging. I love it. Yeah, it's in his voice. Yeah, definitely. definitely. On to our competition. So we asked you to beg and plead for our favour so we could give you money to do races you didn't want to do. And we have two, let's call them, winners. Hooray! 
First up, air quote congratulations to Andy Nichols, who will be running the London City Race in September. Not only is this in the commercial fat cat hellhole of the City of London, it's also an orienteering race, which means utter carnage as runners knock down pinstripe-suited wankers and bowler hats while staring at a map, and we very much approve of this kind of anarchy. Andy did also say he'd like to do course two, but as this is the elite women's course, I think the men's open course is actually more likely unless we're very much prejudged Mm -hmm. andy nichols in which case we'll apologize and we'll pay you more to keep you quiet and next is patreon mike smith who you may better know as shambolic adult he absolutely does not want to do the loch ness marathon in inverness because he can't afford the flights it's over 500 miles from home and it's in northern scotland in winter well good news now you have to Yay! This is part of one of those weirdly pointless challenges that people set themselves, and this one is to run a marathon in England, Wales and Scotland in 2023. There is also the added pressure of setting up a Just Giving page to the Grassroots Suicide Prevention, which we will link on the show page on our website if anyone wants to help out and send a donation. Well done to you guys. Looking forward to hearing about those races. Do you get extra points for knocking over bankers? I hope so. Oh, 100%. For a moment then, I was thinking in in Vaness around Loch Ness, and I thought that they're very lost, but... Probably probably not, not. no. And of course, Loch Ness is a point to point, so you have to get on a bus at like 5am to drive you all the way out to the lock, and then you run back to Inverness. It's hilarious. Love it. Gonna love that, Mike. (laughs) It's the bullshit running news. Just a very quick story today. A glorious victory against man's oldest enemy, the horse. That's right. Man versus horse just happened again and we were gutted to miss it. But it's still very much on our list for next year. This year, it was super hot, which meant man could take advantage of the stops for vet checks those cowardly horses wanted to take. And Daniel Connolly finished 10 minutes ahead of the first pampered and useless stupid horse. Oh, I make myself laugh with things I write. Let me say that again. Daniel Connolly finished 10 minutes ahead of the first pampered, useless, stupid horse. (laughs) I'm not even that anti-horse. I just find it really funny for some reason to slag off horses. (laughs) I'm a bit anti-horse, so, yeah. Yeah, you are a bit. So, yeah, we've lost all that horse crowd again, haven't we? God, yeah, the, the, the big sort of demographic. You know when they do, like analytics and like the demographics of your listeners they send you them from apple mm. is like horse crowd and we'll just see that one because that's that's been rising but that's gonna just plummet yeah all the girls called cornelia have stopped listening to us <laughs> cornelia and philippa they've all philippa. Oh, they're, they're all gone philippa is such a horse girl name it so <laughs> is you know what you can you can tell this is a side you can tell a horse girl just by looking at them can't you you can just tell you can just tell. There's, there's, something something, there's about an them. air to them. There's just an air to them. There's just a horse. I shouldn't say that because Frey is a bit of a horse girl, but she looks like a horse girl. So you know, that's you know, her name's not Philip. So you can say I that. I can say that. Yeah, because I'm married to a horse girl. <laughs> they are batshit. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Edit that out. Fucking hell. <laughs> I'm so sorry to everyone. Oh, I'm not though, because what well man. Two years in a row. Fuck you, horse. Yeah, fuck you, stupid. Anyway, what have you got coming up next? Moving swiftly on. <laughs> Oh, Amy, tomorrow, Saturday, uh, today's before this podcast is coming out, we're going for a cheeky FKT. Yeah. How hard can it be? We found a nice, really short one that no one else has done before in a mixed gender group. Come on. Yeah, so, that's my so kind of FKT. basically, unless somebody's doing it tonight or tomorrow, yeah. we're going to get it. So. Yeah. yeah. 
so let's not say which yeah. one. Um, I'm also at some point in the next two weeks, I'm going to have a crack at a fast 5K, which I know you're disgusted by, but that's why I'm running in the hot weather. It's a midweek evening 5K race. It's a nice fast one. I'm going to have a go just for fun. For funsies. Why not? How about you? I've got the Pigum. I've obviously got our FKT thing tomorrow, but I've also got the yeah. Pigum, which... Oh, uh, the Black Mountains. Is it the Black Mountains? It's Abergavenny, isn't it? I know. I, I'm going <laughs> to the, the night mountains. before on Friday. I'm going to Abergavenny. That's all I know. And the the yeah. you know what? It's funny. Like I'm so disorganised. I did the same thing for Reykjavik half marathon, but I just booked somewhere in Abergavenny. I just booked it, and then I looked. What for Reykjavik? No, no, but I, no, that's a really long way. That's not convenient at all. It's the same thing I did. I just oh, booked accommodation, and then when I just and then I thought, oh, I better check where the start line is. After I booked it all, like weeks later. And I'm like, oh, luckily it's not that far away from the accommodation. It's a good fucking job, really, isn't it? You know, I, ne- I never check these things. But um, but yeah, so... you got a car now, so free taxi. I know, I know. Yeah, but I think I might get the train up the night before. And yeah, free taxi yeah, home, though. Well. So I don't want to... Yeah. I don't want to... Freya, nice. it's Freya who drives. Freya passed her test. Let me just shout out to Freya. Passed her tr- test first time. Only two minors. Nice. I know, I know. Um, I'm learning to drive, but yeah, so I don't want to say to Freya, you've got to get up at 4am and take me to Abergavenny, so um, I'm going the night before on the train. But yeah, the Pigum, it's, it's a new Pegasus event, super hilly, um, from all like the pictures of the medals and stuff, and from pictures that Reese has taken on the route, there are horses, like wild horses, which I'm not really, yeah, yeah that, that bit is scaring me a bit. Yeah, if it's hot though, you can just run away from exactly, them. Exactly, they won't be able to do shit. So, so yeah, 30 miles, bit hilly from Abergavenny. Amazing route. It do, really, it, it it's going to be a really yeah, good Yeah, it does look like a really, really good route and good training for the Edom, which I'm, I'll talk about after I've done the Pigum. Yeah, all, all the cool people now are saying Black Mountains are better than Brecon Beacons. That's the I cool people no saying. I had no idea that that was the Black... I, you know what, I've run in the Black Mountains before... And I, I, I've done a race in the Black Mountains, but I didn't realise that was the Black Mountains. In my head, I'm just going no, to Abergavenny, so, you know. <laughs> sure. That's it. If you've enjoyed this bullshit, please visit runningsbs.com to see the show notes and links from this episode and the whole back catalogue, as well as links to our Patreon, merch store, and social medias. Bye. Fuck you, horse. <laughs>